Now Sunday service is from Psalm 86, verses 5 through 12. Thanks, Thanks be, be to, to God. God. For you, O Lord, are good and forgiving, abounding, abounding in steadfast love to, to all who call, who call upon, you. upon you. Give ear, O Lord, to my prayer. Listen to my plea for grace. In the, in the day, day of, of my, my trouble, trouble, I call, call upon you, for you answer me. me. There is none like you among the gods, O Lord, nor are there any works like yours. All, All the, the nations you have made shall come and worship before you, O Lord, Lord and shall, shall glorify your name. For you are great and do wondrous things. You above alone are God. Teach me your way, O Lord, that I may walk in your truth. Unite my heart to fear your name. I give thanks to you, O Lord my God, with my whole heart, and I will glorify your name forever. Glory, Glory be, be to, to the, the Father, Father and, and to the Son, and, and to the Holy Spirit, Spirit as, as it was in the beginning, beginning is now, now and, and will, will be, be forever. forever. Amen. The epistle lesson is from 1 Peter, the first chapter, verses 18 through 22. Knowing that you were ransomed from the feudal ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. He was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest in the last times for your sake who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory, so that your faith and hope are in God. Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I invite you to rise for the reading of the Holy Gospel. The Gospel lesson for this LWML Sunday is from Mark chapter 12, beginning at verse 28. Glory to you, O Lord. And one of the scribes came up and heard them disputing with one another, and seeing that he answered them well, asked him, which commandment is the most important of all? And Jesus answered, the most important is, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And the second is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Well, grace to you and peace from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. The text for this morning's message is from 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 8, the theme verse for this LWML Sunday, where St. Peter writes, Above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers over a multitude of sin. This is our text. Well, they say a picture is a thousand words. And you can picture today's message by looking at your bulletin or by looking at the, ban the banner that is up here in the chancel with me. 
For as you look at this bulletin, you'll see the theme of this message. Our hearts are in his hand. Just think for a moment about a heart in a hand. Literally think about holding a real heart in your hand. That's what a transplant heart surgeon does. She takes out the diseased heart out of her patient and she puts in a new heart. And that's what God does to you and me. I mean, as you look at that bulletin cover or as you look at the banner up here, do you see the cross? Do you see the droplet of water? What do these two things represent? Well, of course, the cross represents the cross of Jesus Christ, and it reminds us that in Christ our sins are forgiven. And the drop of water reminds us of our own baptism. For when we were baptized in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, the Lord gave us a new heart, a pure heart, with all the benefits, with all the benefits that were won for us by our Savior Jesus on the cross. Long ago, through the prophet Ezekiel, God promised, I will give you a new heart, and I will put a new spirit within you. And the Lord has kept his promise. Unlike a physical heart transplant that lasts only some years, the new heart that God gives us through holy baptism beats forever. Why did God have to give us a transplanted heart? Well, here's why. I have and you have a spiritually dead heart. It's a spiritually diseased heart. And within my diseased heart, I have thoughts and I have feelings and I have ideas and I have urges that are sinful, that are contrary to the will of God. And don't you also have thoughts and feelings and ideas and urges deep down in your diseased heart that would shame you if it were ever to come to public light? My heart by nature is not pure, and neither is yours. We are conceived in what's called original sin, inherited from sinners before us, going all the way back to Adam and Eve. And consequently, we daily commit actual sins. And sooner or later, what's deep down in our diseased and sin-infested heart rises to the surface. And unfortunately, it's displayed in the way that we live our lives. The writer to the Hebrews says, No creature is hidden from God's sight. But all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. This sin in us, this original sin, and the actual sins that we, that we commit, they plague us right from the moment of our conception to natural death. Yes, even after we have received a spiritually transplanted heart, we still struggle and wrestle with the diseased heart that we inherited from our parents. And hence the reason why we need a transplanted heart. 
And the wonderful thing is, is that we have our Savior's promise that because He died for our sin, His love covers over a multitude of sin. In fact, His love covers over all of our sins. And so we can live with that certainty of God's forgiveness in Christ day by day. You see, it's only when we ultimately die, when we go to be with the Lord in paradise, that we actually ever stop sinning. Well, let's ponder for a moment the wonderful mystery of holy baptism. Baptism is like heart transplant surgery. When a surgeon transplants a human heart, new physical life comes to the fatally ill patient. And likewise, through holy baptism, the Spirit of the Lord mysteriously gives us a new heart. And with this new heart, we have new spiritual life. And we now have God's love beating within us. Baptism brings us the forgiveness of Jesus Christ here and now and gives us grace to live new, new and holy lives here and now. St. Peter describes it this way. He describes it as a new birth. He says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, for according to His great mercy, He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. That's Peter's way of saying that when we were baptized, we received a heart transplant from God Himself. On Monday of this past week, I received my weekly devotion from Reverend Dr. Greg Seltz, who's the executive director of the Lutheran Center for Religious Freedom in Washington, D.C. He was also the former speaker of the Lutheran Hour. Well, in this devotion, Dr. Seltz writes, well, he actually has the theme, an all-in Savior. And he writes, when I first came to Washington, D.C. in 2006 for a class in my Ph.D. studies, we were privileged to speak with many congressional leaders personally. I remember visiting with the head of the House Ways and Means Committee at the time. He talked about the various legislation, saying, we're trying to make sure that the Congress has to live by the same rules that they hoist upon everyone else. I remember my reaction. I was shocked. I never had thought about the fact that government officials often pass laws that we must follow while living by another set of rules themselves. It's incredible. For example, health care. While making rules so ridiculous that we citizens were getting less and less choice and worse and worse coverage, they had a separate Cadillac version for themselves. I couldn't believe that they didn't have to live by the same, very same rules that they were legislating for everyone else. And I learned then that oftentimes our public servants aren't all in when it comes to the challenges and solutions that we need in our lives. Seltz continues, all in. That's a phrase people utter when they commit their lives and their livelihoods to a cause. When someone tells you that they're all in concerning an issue or a challenge that you share together, you can count on them to give you everything that they have to make sure that, that whatever you face, you share together in both trial and victory. 
And when someone tells you that they're all in as your friend or your confidant, you can be rest assured that whatever you face, you don't face it alone. Dr. Seltz continues, those examples are merely a glimpse of the kind of Savior we have in Jesus Christ. When the writer to the Hebrews says that Jesus too shared in their humanity, he uses a word that describes a real flesh and blood partnership. It's so close and so real, it's an all-in kind of thing. And there's nothing stronger in all of this world than knowing that God took on your flesh and blood. And on the cross, he took upon himself your troubles and your sins. His all-in life, death, and resurrection mean that you can count on the salvation that he offers you as his gift of grace to be exactly what you need. So whatever it is that you're facing today, you can face it. And why? Because your Savior has seen it all and experienced it all, and he alone offers you a victory that the world cannot take away. Because he's all in for you, you can be all in for the ones you love. Not as some works righteous religious ploy to show how good you are, but as one who knows who's been blessed by the power of God's grace in Christ. And that's why you share it with others who need it too. An all-in Savior with all-in disciples for others? That's a message that can bless no matter what we face at the moment. Indeed, our Savior Jesus Christ is an all-in Savior when it comes to our salvation. I mean, let's return to the image of a transplanted heart. Where does a transplanted heart come from? From a donor, right? Someone who had to die so that that heart could then be transplanted into the body of someone else. Where does our spiritual heart come from? From Jesus, who also had to die, didn't he? He had to die for us to receive his heart. Jesus really put his whole heart into our salvation. His heart was literally pierced with a spear for our sin. Jesus died so that we could have that perfect heart, his perfect heart transplanted in us through holy baptism. And that is why we live day by day knowing that our sins are forgiven. We often pray, create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. And our physician, Jesus Christ, has given us a new heart. He has transplanted his heart in us. And so our heart, our spiritual heart, beats with love. Well, we do not love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. But the fact is, we do love him, don't we? We do love our God, our creator, our redeemer, our sanctifier. And we love him because he first loved us. We love him because he gave us a transplanted heart, his own heart. So our heart beats with love for him. But not only does our heart beat 
for love with Him, but our heart also beats with the love of Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ's heart beats with love for our neighbor. And so Jesus sends us out to love our neighbor. And we can, and we do. Because we have Jesus' loving, serving heart beating within us. It's because our Savior's heart beats within us that we can make such a vow as we do in the LWML pledge. I invite you to turn to page 8 in your bulletin and I invite you to speak these words with me because even though these are words that are, you know, for the LWML, the reality is that these are words, these are vows, this is a pledge that all of us speak when Jesus' heart beats within us. Let's say these words together. In fervent gratitude for the Savior's dying love and his blood-bought gift of redemption, we dedicate ourselves to him with all that we are and have. And in obedience to his call for workers in the harvest fields, we pledge him our willing service wherever and whenever he has need of us. We consecrate to our Savior our hands to work for him, our feet to go on his errands, our voice to sing his praises, our lips to proclaim his redeeming love, our silver and our gold to extend his kingdom, our will to do his will, and every power of our life to the great task of bringing the lost and the erring into eternal fellowship with him. Amen. Well, that's not the final amen of the sermon, but almost. I pray that this pledge, this vow, describes each of us and that it's how we live our life day by day. And I encourage you to take this bulletin home and to place it somewhere prominently in your home where you can be reminded day by day of the transplanted heart that you have been gifted by your Savior Jesus Christ. And then coming together in worship and in service as we serve one another and as we serve the community around us, may our Lord make us a big-hearted church that extends His hand of love to everyone. For as St. Peter says and exhorts, above all, keep loving one another earnestly since love covers over a multitude of sin. Amen. And now may the peace of God, which surpasses all our understanding, guard and keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.